Hello, and welcome to Getting the Best Results Podcast, where each week we talk about shortcuts or techniques that will help you get the best results in life and business. It's all about learning a new method or approach, or possibly an insight or an idea that will contribute to your life in a positive way. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones. I'm an author, facilitator, and professional speaker. My focus is on helping individuals and small businesses break through their common thinking to create bigger, better, bolder results. You can find me at simplythebestresults.com, where you'll also find a number of other helpful resources to help you break through. Now let's get on with this week's show. This week, we are talking about efficiency. Personal inefficiency at work leads to increased stress levels, lower morale, higher absenteeism, turnover, and more. As the inefficiency assassin, time management fixer Helene Sugera empowers busy professionals with powerful tools to crush lost time. Helene is the author of four books, two of which are Amazon bestsellers. She has been featured as an organization expert on more than 200 media interviews, including publications such as U.S. News and World Report, Women's Day Magazine, and Money Magazine. She has coached hundreds of clients to productivity success by applying neuroscience and behavioral modification techniques to wipe out destructive, time-wasting habits. Welcome, Helene. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I need some help with with efficiency because I'm not being very efficient today. So I'm really hoping that our conversation will not only help our listeners but help me too. Fantastic. <laughs> Are we going to diagnose you live during this interview? <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. It could okay. very well happen. But before we get down to me, let's get back to you. And if you would, um, you know, you and I have been friends for quite a while now, and I need to let everyone else know a little bit more about you and your background. So would you share a little bit with us? Why, sure. Do you want the short version or the therapy version? Uh, I think we better go short version. Okay. <laughs> no telling where the therapy <laughs> version will go. A short version would be I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and then made the big move to Texas to attend college, graduated from Texas A&M, so this would be like my standard boring beginning of the bio. And then once <laughs> I entered the workforce, I had a horrific first real job out of college because I, I had oh. had other jobs during high school, but the first one was terrible, which caused me to go into my dream job eight years earlier, and my dream job was teaching. And the reason why I didn't want to go into teaching until later is because teachers don't make any money, and my teachers always said, don't be a teacher, you won't have a life. But uh, I did that when I was 22 because the first job out of college was um, terrible. And then it was during my teaching career that I discovered how to do what I do now because I was helping my students with their time management issues, their organizational issues, and then I was helping my colleagues as well. And after 11 years of that, that snowballed into me starting my own consulting business. So in a nutshell, that's been the journey. Wow. Now you know I'm, I've got to ask, right? You know I have to know what the awful, terrible job was, the first one. 
that first job was as a salesperson in a plumbing company. And I know that Oh my sounds, goodness. Yes, I know that sounds unsexy, but this was such a great paying job to begin with. I mean, right out of college to have all of this money starting off just as a trainee. And then all of the opportunities were exponential. And I knew plumbing because I was raised as a tomboy and I helped my dad with all of the the household projects. I mean, I learned how to change a P-trap when I was 12 years old. And that is not a bad word. And what happened... (laughs) What happened was um, it was a a very poorly run company, but unfortunately management didn't realize it. And I was coming home every evening and telling my fiancé at the time, who is now my husband, and his family what all of the issues were at work. Since I was a trainee, I was in the warehouse because I needed to learn all of their parts and where they were stored and what they called them. I was the only female back there, which wasn't the issue. That became dangerous later, but it wasn't the initial issue. The problem was that this company told all of their warehouse employees, hey, if you don't get your work done during the day, it's not a problem. Just take your time. Do it right. You can have dinner on us, and then you can earn overtime. So you have all these guys in the warehouse who either were married and didn't exactly like their wives or they had girlfriends and didn't care, and they knew that they could make overtime and have dinner paid for by not doing their work during the daytime. So I was the only female in the warehouse after hours when it was dark, and they used the company credit card for dinner, which included alcohol. I was the one who was driving the forklift because I was the only one sober. I was not even certified to do that. So basically, they violated all these OSHA violations, and um, they their company was a mess. So during my exit interview with the accountant, they sent him to interview me. He asked me why I was leaving, and I said, you people do not know how to run an operation. And I told him everything they were doing wrong. He said, my gosh, no wonder why I just can't make these numbers work. Do you want to come be a manager for us? I said, no, and I left. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't want more of the same. And and Yeah, no. (laughs) I don't blame you. That's my first job out of college. I lasted one month with that nonsense. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Well, that's barely (laughs) – not very long, but yes, holy cow, I don't think I would have lasted there either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. Well, did that and did that experience, um, you know, inform or have anything to do with, you know, the idea of being, well, that's a real obvious inefficiency situation, <laughs> but in terms of your, of your organization experience, is mm-hmm. What um, was that part of that orientation, or did you learn to be so organized by being a teacher? I mean, certainly there's a lot of demands placed on teachers, and they have to be organized. But tell me, tell me a little bit about how you got to be so intelligent on that subject. Uh, first of all, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> I, I think it was a combination of both genetic, learned, and then survival. So all of these things happening. When I was younger, I was quite organized, even though you would not have known it from walking into my room. I have a a million stuffed animals, but they were all organized by height and by color. 
so I knew exactly where to find a certain stuffed animal. I had so many memorabilia boxes, but I could tell you exactly which was in each one and put my hand on a photo from any month of any year in a couple of seconds. So I was organized in that fashion. And then in high school, I played four varsity sports, and I was in all honors classes, and I was not the smart kid in class. I was the one who actually had to study. So I had to come up with this schedule of when to study, how to study, and around all of my sports. Well, fast forward to college, I almost flunked out of college because I wasn't managing my time very well. And I had to learn how to do that all over again. Learned that, then went into teaching. And my first year of teaching, I started drinking heavily because I was so stressed, because I was so lost, and I was dog paddling. It got so bad that I would open up the refrigerator door on a Monday, and I would hear that clanking of the Bartles and Jame wine wine cooler bottles. Remember back then, Bartles and <laughs> yes. Jame? Yes. I know. Please don't judge me on my taste, but remember, no, I was not at all. 22, 23. I would hear that on a Monday morning and want to cry because I knew I couldn't drink my first one until at least Thursday evening. That, that was my <laughs> discipline. That was like my carrot. Yeah, just reaching for that. And so that's such a terrible way to live. And I started grad school the following year, and it was during a neuroscience class and then a behavioral psychology class that I, my brain just suddenly started working and realizing what needed to be done and what didn't need to be done. And that started the whole cycle of understanding even better time management and organization. Wow, that that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean not I mean just how the the progression where you already had like you said some kind of built the organizational skills built in, but then it was a matter of of, you know, just survival in some ways and developing more skills so that you could live more comfortably and and work more comfortably. And you were a teacher for 11 years, is that what you said? Right, teacher for Then you must have you must have uh, gotten pretty organized. <laughs> yes, I did, and enough so that people really took notice, and, and that's what kicked off the business is finally when enough people ask you for advice or about doing something, you figure out, hmm, I guess I am pretty good at this, and I guess I can teach people how to do this. So they're they're really what got me started. And then once I started it, That's when I reflected on my past and realized everything that I had just shared with you for the previous question, and also the different life experiences, like when I was younger, my parents arguing about time and how many hours my dad was working, and then uh, a job that I had in high school was filling in for different people's desks at a bank when they went on vacation. I had to learn each desk, and it was through that I pointed out their inefficiency, except I didn't know that's what it was called back then. I just thought mm. it was stupid the way they were doing things. And, um, <laughs> you know, when you're 16, you tell people they're stupid, people don't listen to you. So anyway, all these mm. life experiences just led up to the moment of starting my business. That's so cool. Yeah. So how has how has your work changed? I don't mean the I mean in the in the years that you've been in business, not back to the teaching era, but how has it evolved up until now? When I first started my business, it was 
only an in-person spatial organizing business because at the time I started up, there there wasn't um, a popular phrase like time management coach or productivity consultant. And I knew that I wanted to start something that had to do with getting organized and teaching people about time management. So since professional organizing had become the rage and it was on HGTV, one day I was mm-hmm. watching, watching um, Mission Organization, and that's what got me kick-started. So it started with personal organizing in person, and then eventually allowed me to move into time management, which was my real passion. And from in-person, evolved into virtual coaching, speaking, and, um, and now it's so many different methods of sharing time management and organization to help people find peace, but through different avenues of getting that information out. That's cool, and I, you know, I think you just hit on a really uh, key term: the the time management and space management really does create peace. And if you're not feeling very peaceful, <laughs> you might take a look at your desk, or your closet, or your kitchen, or your car. Um, sometimes I've pulled into parking lots and pulled up next to a car, and you know, as you're getting out, you kind of glance into the car next to you, and there are people that like have their entire lives in their car or look like they live their entire lives out of their car. And I just can't imagine doing that. I'm, I am not super organized, but I'm learning. You've taught me some things and I'm learning to be better organized. You know, um, I had an assistant that worked with me a number of years ago and Elizabeth, her name was Elizabeth, and on a morning show she saw an, a talk, you know, talk, well, probably like one of the shows you, you've been on. And um, there was somebody talking about organization and they were talking about how color coding um, your, files, your files can help save time and, and energy. And so she brought that to work, that, that idea to work that day, and we immediately bought file folders in red, green, yellow, blue, orange. <laughs> we had every color of the rainbow that they came in, purple. And each color was designated for a certain thing. So clients were red. So if you saw a red file anywhere on the desk, you knew that was a client folder and probably the one you were looking for but you couldn't find. <laughs> and then if they were green, they had to do with money. This was how we sorted them. If they were, bl- if they were purple, they were marketing. And back then we were doing something called mystery shopping where you send people in undercover to pretend they're customers and give feedback to the organization. And, um, and those were in blue. So we, um, it was really a very helpful system and it's a system that I use until today. I still use the same system and I, it's been probably 20 years. Uh, so when, I know that you know, once you get those systems ingrained and you use them regularly, they become part of you and they do make life a lot easier. If I had everything was in a vanilla folder, I'd be in so much trouble because I couldn't find anything. I wouldn't even know what I was looking for. You know, I'd probably lay my eyes on it and not even know that was it. So are there, are there some simple, um, one or two simple techniques that are like the pièce de résistance? If you taught us that technique, um, it would be something that would change our lives. Before I give a couple of tips, I will preface it by saying that everybody has a different brain type, thinking style, and working style. So Mm -hmm. 
even though I'm going to say some tips, if it doesn't resonate with you, listener, then realize that it's okay because there are so many different variations out there. You need to find what's best for you. And if we're, are, are you asking about physical organization or just organization in general? Yes, whichever okay. one you want to share. <laughs> well, what I was thinking is that for overall organization, it actually goes back to the mind and understanding how you think and creating a plan. Because what so many of us want to do since we live in an instant society is just jump into something. And if we just pause for a moment and figure out what our why is for the situation, what's causing us the issues, and then choose our solutions from there, we can create this plan. And you can apply that to your physical space because when I'm organizing an office, somebody will just want to go to a catalog and choose the prettiest desk. But is it? are you after that pretty look or do you want to be actually functional? If so, then we need to take a look at what was bothering you before. Or you can apply this to time management. Buying a new calendar or getting a different task app isn't going to solve your issues if it's not addressing what's causing your issues in the first place. So my, my biggest tip is actually to use that tool that each one of us has inside of our heads, and that's our brain. Just stop, think, and plan. It will save you so much time in the long run. Now, for those people who don't like the whole thinking thing <laughs> and they just want um, a really quick tip, something that's very fast for the desk, specifically a drawer. I see a lot of people rummaging around in drawers. It takes forever to get to something. Just use simple drawer dividers, not the kind that are pre-molded, but those individual little baskets and purchase baskets based on the size of the objects that you need to hold, just having an organized desk will save you multiple minutes each day. I, I agree completely, absolutely. Now, my challenge is the top of the desk. So this is where we get into the therapy part. Okay. So, <laughs> so there are multiple projects going on at any one time, along with papers that I want to look at again that don't have a home yet. Um, usually there's one coffee mug and a glass of water. And then, of course, um, it's an it's a L-shaped desk. And so there are four computers on it. Do you think there's any problems there? Well, it's not a problem <laughs> if you're using all of those and you can find what you need. It's only an issue if that's not happening. So if we're going to diagnose you, we would walk through what do you truly need to have out on your desk on a daily basis? What is something that you use maybe a couple of times a week that can be moved off the desk but nearby and then work our way backwards? So that way the things that you use least often are not the items on your desk. And then from there we take a look at what your current projects are and then depending on if they're all paper or binders or if objects are involved, you have to store objects related to the project, we would figure out the storage for that particular project with the understanding that when that project is done, it's going to get rotated out and you're moving your items for the new project in. Oh. 
So on that last example, if I were working on a project with some things that are not not just flat paper, like let's say I'm working on a podcast, not a podcast, I'm sorry, working on a um, blog post, and so I've got books to reference, mm-hmm. um, then I might put those in a basket along with my other ideas for that blog post because they don't fit nicely in a folder yet. I would label them or something, I guess, so I would know what they are and, and right. use, only bring them out when I'm working on that, that project, it sounds like. Right. So you could have a basket or a bin. And just to start with, grab any container from around the office or the house, and that's what you can use to store everything. And then if this is the kind of system that will work for you, then that's when you can look at, well, if you want to pretty it up, what kind of containers can you buy? If you want to have a whole little project area, Area? Do you want to have a little hutch on part of your desk or use the bookshelf that's closest to your desk and you have a little project area with your different containers? So first, start off with what you already have. Just grab that empty container and then go from there. Gotcha. Okay, so it could be a cardboard box. It could be one of those plastic tubs. It could be the, a photo album, you know, those boxes that you put photos in. Um, I, I see what you're saying. There's lots of things that we could use very easily. Right. Absolutely. So many people, yeah. they want to go shopping first and then oh, work yeah. their way backwards. <laughs> because shopping is the fun part. The figuring out is not so fun to most people. Mm-hmm. So the figuring out first, and that way you can purchase what you need. So it's not just pretty, it's also functional. Makes sense. And and then if you buy it too small, then that's not, then you, you know, there's those kinds of things too, or too large. Mm-hmm. You'll know what you need once you've started using a system like that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Exactly. You save time because you won't have to deal with returns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Yes. Oh, goodness. Well, and um, I'm trying to see, I have a little bit of the squirrel syndrome mm-hmm. um, where the thing in front of me gets my attention, whether it's an email popping up, a phone call, um, a piece of paper, a sticky note. Um, any suggestions for handling squirrel syndrome? Remove the distractions as much as possible. <laughs> I mean, it's. You can't do it 100%, but if you can lower it in the beginning, lower your number of distractions by 10%, and then by 20, when you start paying attention to what distracts you, then you are more likely to catch yourself in the moment if you are distracted, so you can literally stop, and if you have to say something out loud, how is paying attention to this distraction going to benefit me in this moment? But it means that you are fully cognizant of what you're doing. You're not just on autopilot. As far as removing the distractions, you use the example of an email pops up. Well, I would turn off your notifications because so many people are distracted throughout the day by those notifications popping Mm -hmm. up on their devices. And this does not mean you stop checking them. It simply means you check when your brain is ready to receive the information. So if that means you pop into email or text or voicemail every 10 minutes, great, but at least you are choosing to do that and you haven't been distracted, you haven't been interrupted. If those sticky notes are causing a distraction, maybe those need to go into your project folder or maybe they can be clustered into one single pile instead of spread out everywhere and then when your brain is ready, 
you can spread out the sticky notes to take a look at what do I need to do next with these. So examine what the distractions are and attempt to move as many of them as possible out of your work zone. That makes sense to me. I could do that easily. So I'm also thinking that it Sometimes I use, uh, you know, sticky notes are to remind you to do something or to work on something. It seems that scheduling that might make sense. I'm not, a, I'm great with scheduling appointments with others, not as good as at scheduling appointments with myself to work on projects. Is that something that you recommend? Absolutely, because usually what happens is somebody has either a pile of those sticky notes or they have the miles-long list that they've made on a sheet of paper or they've captured it on their phone in some kind of notes section, and then it just becomes overwhelming and eventually people overpromise on what they can deliver because they don't realize how much that they have promised already and what time has been scheduled out for it because they haven't scheduled it, scheduled it out. So if you can schedule time on your calendar, it works really well if you have a digital calendar because you can make appointments with yourself on the calendar for what needs to be done and when. And if it turns out that a higher priority pops up, let's say um, you are asked to submit a proposal. But on your calendar, you had said, I am going to organize my pencil box. Well, you can move organize my pencil box to another day. You can fast forward that a little bit, and that way you can slide in the higher priority, which is creating that proposal. So if you can use that digital calendar to make appointments with yourself to get things done, that will help. If you want to back that up with the reminder system, Instead of just send, uh, setting reminders at random and then they pop up and then you swipe it because you don't want to do that right now, you tie in that reminder to the calendar item so it's reminding you at the time you're supposed to be working on it. If you're paper inclined, then you might want to use a pencil in your calendar to notate at what times you would like to do those tasks. So if something else crops up, you can move that other appointment in there and then erase and move your pencil task to another day. <laughs> that makes sense, definitely. I think I'm going to try that. I was doing really well for a while at that. I think the one thing that um, that is helpful is not just putting it in there in a 30-minute time slot. I think what's helpful or has been helpful to me in the past that I've kind of slipped up on is trying to figure out how much time it's going to take to do that item and really blocking that full amount of time, not just listing it, you know, on on as an appointment with no real thinking about how long it would take to do it because, you know, I think that, or I might think that, oh, it should take me, you know, 15, 20 minutes to develop a little um, graphic uh, announcement, right? Well, it doesn't take 15 or 20 minutes. It takes more like 45 minutes or an hour. Um, and then posting it, that's, you know, another, because I'm always having to retrain myself on how to post things. So, you know, that takes a little bit longer as well. And that's, you know, that's time that I might not have set aside. So then I get frustrated. Right? The day's over before I know it. 
Yep. So time estimation is extremely helpful. And what you just pointed out is sometimes we just take a random guess as to how long we think something will take to accomplish. Instead of taking a few seconds longer to think about, hmm, well, first I need to do this and then this and then this and then this. So I do need longer than 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't want to work on all of this at the same time. So I'm going to spread it out into different chunks on different days. But time estimation is extremely important. For me personally, I have an issue with time estimation. I discovered a pattern that I underestimate by half. So what I've learned to do in the past decade is listen to my gut number when I am first guessing how long something should take, and then I double it. Because my pattern is that I underestimate by half. So if you pay attention to any type of underestimation, because that is more challenging than having an overestimation. Because if you overestimate, great, you have extra time. But if you underestimate, try to see if there is a pattern to it so you can create your own personal formula. That's that's helpful. Definitely helpful. I'm going to start doubling it for sure and <laughs> see how that works. I think that's super smart, super smart. Wow. So um, I'm curious to know, what do you think is the most, um, what skill or characteristic do you think has been most helpful to you in becoming an expert organizer and time management sleuth? Ooh, I like that sleuth. Probably <laughs> the, what, what I just mentioned to you about patterns. Mm -hmm. I am very good at picking out patterns. I didn't realize it as this was happening, but once I discovered why I'm able to solve problems, it is usually because I am finding patterns. So that has been very helpful. And then the other helpful skill, which some people might consider a curse or being rude, but my first two questions that pop into my head in any situation are why and how because that helps me break down a process. And to me, that also has been extremely helpful in diagnosing clients' challenges. So between the patterns and the why and how, those help me become a much better troubleshooter and get to the solutions much more quickly. That makes, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I see the patterns too sometimes, unfortunately. I, don't always know how to change my own. That's when I need to bring in an expert like you to help me see them and go, oh, here's another option, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is really helpful. Well, and I know that you've written a couple, well, you've written four books, but your most recent book um, is probably one of the most exciting books, I mean, from my point of view, because we both like to travel. So tell us a little bit about that book, the title of it, where we can get it, and what it's all about. Sure. This book came about because of my two passions. Well, I have several passions, but these two are high up on the list. Number one, in case people didn't know, was time management. That's a passion of mine. And then the second one is what you just mentioned, travel. And I know that people contact me all the time for time management, but once again, I noticed a pattern. 
more and more people, whether it's clients, friends, or family, they were asking me for travel advice. And I thought, you know what? I should just put all of this information together. And I put that project on the back burner until three people specifically said, you should write a book on this. And that's how the book was birthed. The Great Escape, a vacation planner for busy people who want to take a real break from work and life. And what I'm really excited about for this book is that it's not just a travel guide and it's not just a time management book. It is a step-by-step guide for how do you leave work without feeling stressed and then also not feeling stressed when you return to work. And then it's also a guide on how do you leave your personal responsibilities on hold for a day, a week, or two weeks, however long you're going to be gone. And then it's also got the travel tips that I've learned over the last 25 years. But it's this combination because all of those things go into travel. It's not just planning a trip. It's your professional life. It's your personal life. How do you make sure that those are functioning while you're gone so you can fully enjoy yourself and not be worried about all of that back home. So if you go to thegreatescapebook.com, that's where you can get your purchase information. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and it's funny because um, you and I were were on vacation last summer together walking the Portuguese Camino, and our very first day on the Camino, um, I get a phone call. We're in Portugal and actually, we had just crossed the bridge, and we were now in Spain. Um, and I get a phone call from the United States, <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And it and it was and it was my prof- our professional organization. We're both members of the same organization, and they just wanted to know if I was going to come to conference that year. And it was hysterical because it was like that was the last thing on my mind. And I probably should have programmed their number into my phone so I knew who was calling so I didn't answer it. But it was because we had prepared in advance and because we had read your book, uh, you know, it was easy to let go of that and and not allow it to bother us in any shape or form. And then we got much more particular about what phone calls we picked up. (laughs) Excellent. I'm glad you did that. Doesn't it make a difference when your brain can just relax? Yes, it was it was kind of a cool tie back to the U.S. in that moment because uh, we had already been in in Europe for what five days or six days at that point, and so it was like oh, home's calling. But at the same time, it was like eh, no problem, we got this. <laughs> we were prepared. We prepared, which was awesome. Yeah, it's a great book, folks. I really recommend that you read it along with her other books. Uh, but that one is really helpful in terms of of just really getting organized in a way and thinking about things that you might not have thought of it's so you don't have to be frazzled while you're traveling and you know who really wants to be reading emails and touching base with the office when you're supposed to be on vacation Um, it's just not healthy you can't your brain can't regenerate your heart can't regenerate when you're worried about everything else that's going someplace else you know going on someplace else so Yes, definitely. Well, I want to. I have a few questions left, and some of them are kind of. I don't know if they're esoteric or not, but I think they're kind of interesting, in terms of things like how you know who or what has had the biggest influence on who you've become as a professional and as a person. I think it's always interesting to find out, you know, what what made what helped make the person. 
That's a doozy of a question because when I look back on my life, it's not just one particular person or experience. It's a combination of all of that that formed who I am today. But the ones who stand out would be my parents because they taught me work ethic and I work hard at what I do because that was the expectation in our household. My grandparents, they started traveling after they retired, and they showed us slideshows. And not the slideshow that you see on a computer, but remember the old-fashioned reels with the physical slides in there? They would show us slideshows from their trips, and they went to Egypt, and they went to the Panama Canal, and they went to Spain. Those were their three big trips, and I thought, oh, my goodness, how exciting, and I wanted to go see those places. Mrs. Brinegar, my sixth-grade teacher, she was considered the meanest person on this planet, so I was petrified when I found out I was going to be in her sixth-grade class. But it was the most wonderful experience ever because I learned about structure. I got so much guidance, and she's probably one of my earliest organizational teachers, you know, as far as learning how to be organized. Mm -hmm. And then she also taught us about travel. Um, I don't know. Sometimes even a random incident with a stranger, whether it's a good or bad experience, all of those have shaped me. And, oh, another one. My high school softball coach, who was also the head football coach, Coach Lewis Litchell, he taught me in 10th grade to be a balanced person. You need to think as an equal lateral triangle. It's body, mind, and soul. And when one of those feels off base, then you're going to kilter over. So you always want to make sure you're paying attention to your body, to your mind, to your soul, so that way you develop as a whole person. Nice. I know. Very it's nice. Great. Yeah, that's really that's really sage advice for anybody for a tenth grader to get. Amazing. That's cool. That's cool. Well, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, and you get to choose what age group you could choose your five- and six-year-old self or your 10th grade self, what would you tell her as guidance or being supportive and encouraging? What would you say to her? I would probably say to her that sometimes life will seem like it really sucks (laughs) (laughs) and it's so unfair. But when you persevere, and you work your way through it, when you come out the other side, you're going to be an even stronger and better person. So just hang in there. Mm, That's good advice, definitely. I think we all, when we're younger and sometimes when we're older, think that this moment is going to define everything, and it all stops right here. But we all know that it doesn't. We just forget about it. That's really good, good, good advice there. So, As we look forward to what's coming up, and of course, we're in the middle of the coronavirus uh, crisis right now, so um, I'm wondering, what is your focus um, today, and where are you going in the next 18 months or so? I have been very fortunate in that the last 18 months, I had been transitioning a larger portion of my business to virtual 
because as I was traveling more for speaking and presenting seminars and keynotes, I realized I love traveling for pleasure, but I don't want to live on the road for business. So I started really ramping up my phone coaching, the virtual coaching through Zoom, and then also webinars and online live seminars. And because all of that was in place, I was able to transition more easily to this new virtual world that we have to live in. Not that business is absolutely booming because everybody is hurting a bit right now. There are a lot of unknowns, but that was just so helpful to not have the additional worry of, oh my gosh, how do I do this online? How do I do that online? How do I do this by phone? So my focus right now is continuing with the virtual path that I've been on and then allowing it to take off from there. And, you know, just when you think you have learned everything, you know there's something else that you need to learn. So I'm keeping my mind open because I think that I have totally mastered Zoom, but I'm, I'm sure there's something else that I need to learn or maybe a whole other platform. So that is the current situation. And then future, I have rolled out some live seminars and I'm bringing in another one of my passions, which is movies, and to help people just kind of ease the stress during this whole process, I'm doing some live 15-minute broadcast of movie magic, and of course, there's a time management element, but it's a fun way <laughs> looking at movies, but then also talking about the lessons that can be learned from them. And then farther down the line is the Dolce Farniente Village Italy tour. <laughs> Which hopefully in 2021, there won't be a COVID-19 outbreak, but that's the plan for 2021 is that Village Italy tour. That's exciting. Now, is that a group tour that you're doing? Yes. Or just you and your husband? And really, I Mm -hmm. shouldn't call it a tour. It's more like an organized uh, park and ride service (laughs) because... (laughs) What I've done is I have created an itinerary of the smaller, most beautiful villages in the Tuscany area that are not served by public transportation. The first time my husband and I went to Italy, we were not able to get to these villages because you couldn't get there by train. And if you went by bus, it would take like six different buses to get there and, and transfer. So we put together this trip and let people know about it because other people have asked, hey, how do you get around Italy if you don't want to drive? You know, either you don't want to get lost Mm -hmm. or they have really strict drinking and driving laws, which means you can't drink at wineries and then go somewhere immediately. Mm. So the itinerary is based on let's go see some beautiful villages. If you want to go eat over here, you can. If you want to go to that winery, you, you can. There are only a couple of group meals, and you don't have to go to those if you don't want to, but it's arranged for you, so you don't have to do as much thinking and planning. Oh, it sounds lovely. Absolutely lovely. That's yeah, so cool. I hope it works out because I want to go. <laughs> I know, I know. I want you to go too, and and who knows what. I'll be doing in 2021, but maybe I'll be on that on that tr- on that tour too. We'll have to see. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, th- goodness. Well, and of course, you used all your time management expertise to free up time to go to Dolce Far Niente. So I'm sure that's what you know. See, everybody else could learn these skill sets and then have the time free so they could join you. I, I totally see a connection there. No problem. Yep. Oh, I'll, thank I'll you. Go. I should hire you to do my PR. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I'll start tomorrow. Not, okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so um, I am sure that there will be people who are interested not only in your expertise and learning more about how you might be able to help them either them, themselves personally or in their groups, maybe their office teams or something like that, um, or in a speaking situation that you know, may want to bring you in to speak at one of their events. What or, or then again, they also might want to go on the Italy tour. So, how? It, what is the best way to reach you? The best way to reach me is to go to my website, timemanagementrevolution.com, and from there you'll be able to see all of your options: the presentation options, consulting, coaching productivity getaway recharge packages like Italy. But when you go to that specific page, timemanagementrevolution.com, you can also download a complimentary productivity Kickstarter kit that I have. And I have templates in there that I use with my clients and planners, tips on how to make time for specific areas of your life, like exercise, because a lot of people tend to cut that out. There are a whole bunch of resources in there. So that is yours when you you go sign up on timemanagementrevolution.com. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's a lovely gift. And I am definitely going to check that out myself because I could probably use some of those templates and okay. certainly more time in my day. <laughs> Helene, thank you so much. I, I Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I know that the things that you shared with us today will, um, will benefit a number of people. And I just can't appreciate, say how much I appreciate your friendship and as well as, you know, your willingness to, to just be authentic and real today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. And you're welcome. <laughs> and I want to thank our listeners for joining us today for the podcast. I hope that some of the ideas that you've heard today will help you start getting simply the best results as well. So be, be on the lookout for our next podcast. They'll be dropping soon, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.